Hello, I'm Greg Howard Jr. and this is Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Each week I invite a special guest to talk about their life, news, politics, and anything else that may come up. Head over to the Patreon where you'll get the random questions game, a secret from my guest. You get some merch for being a loyal patron and you get this whole episode uncut and without this bit about joining the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash springbreak83 productions to join now. All right, so welcome to uh, part two of the series one finale of um, Don't Make This Weird, uh, the podcast. Uh, as I said in part one, it was really important for me for the first series finale um, to bring my chosen family in as kind of a way to uh, close out what what feels like the first part of a really cool chapter in my life. Um, so yesterday I had my drag sisters um, and today I have got um, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, somebody who I've had quite a few drunken philosophical conversations with. Um, listeners of the show, please welcome formerly known as DJ Titty Sweat, my friend, my chosen sister, Laura, is here. Hello. Hi. I like how <laughs> I get um, the, full, the full name introduction. Like, I cannot escape DJ Titty Sweat no matter what I do. No, no, that will, like, it will follow you forever. It's grounding. It's, it's like, know your roots. <laughs> That's right. Um, I can never get too serious about myself. I feel that. I definitely feel that. Um, so I, I don't have like a specific memory of how you and I met. It was just kind of one of those things like one day you were there and then you were always there. And, <laughs> you know, do, do you remember or was it just kind of like that for you as well? I think it was kind of like that for me as well. And that is kind of how all of that happened. I know that we definitely met drinking. And I think it was probably at Mellow Mushroom Bingo. And I think that actually, I think that the first time that we ever actually talked to each other, because I I remember you being around and me being around you, but us not talking until I think, Beth had to like be out of town or something and I had to cover him for bingo and that was like the first time I ever actually DJ'd and you were hosting because I think Ray was sick or something that's right yeah and we were just like thrown in together for that one night and it was you me and Marcus and I think uh Pliny was there and maybe Sharon it was like everybody but the main two people (laughs) I do remember that yeah now that you now that you bring that up um and i want to say that was that was probably like the second time that i ever hosted bingo so like i was completely shitting myself 
<laughs> you were you were so nervous. I remember you uh I remember you just like kind of collecting like a shot and like a beer. I can't quite remember what you used to drink back then if we weren't like drinking margaritas. But I remember you just were kind of like hovering around it and like five minutes before we had to start. And I was just kind of like, hey, remember, like, got about five minutes. And you just like turned around and just like chugged everything. <laughs> like, put the microphone up to your face and you're like, all right, bitches. That's right. So in the... Like, okay, I think this is going to be fun. In the moments where we were, we were all, all there, um, because, you know, we've, we kind of all went our separate ways and haven't like collectively been together for, I think we figured up like seven years yesterday. Um, do you have a favorite red family moment? Oh God. I mean, out of the ones I can remember, <laughs> like, does it have to be in its entirety or just like a blur? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, um, there's bits and pieces that are, that are blurred. I think honestly, like the best moments were just all of us, you know, at the shows, making the shows happen and you know, for those of us who weren't the entertainers, we would be around the shows even if we weren't actually putting, helping put the shows on. So it was like, we were always there being involved. And that in itself was probably the best part of all that because it was just, it was so supportive and uh, it was fun, you know, when we were out in the community, we were doing fun things, we were raising lots of money for charity and getting people involved. And, you know, that's pretty unique to do, I think, with that many people for that long of a time. And, you know, Ray is still raising money. So, like, Mark is still performing. And, like, that aspect kind of is the timelessness. I do have to say, I, my, one of my favorite moments with you um there was i believe it was a friday night and it was it was about the time that we were all working at jungle every one of us was working at jungle at the time um mark and i were at oscars as you know we usually were um you had gotten off at jungle and like blew through the door um in just like the grandest fashion and i guess it had been a rough night at the show that happened on fridays um and you you walked up to us and i said hey laura what's going on and you looked me dead in the face and said do not talk to me like that i am not one of your fans and like there the, the entire bar goes quiet because I guess they think like a bomb's about to go off and everybody started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have that picture somewhere too. Um, you do, you do. It was you looking terrified at whatever the fuck had 
like demon had gotten in my body that evening at work. And then I'm flipping off the camera. I had, I had had a really rough night with uh, drag queens and entertainers. It was rough. I don't know why I picked on you. I think I just needed to say something to somebody in order to drink. And I think I was the first one that said something to you, so. I think I probably just didn't want to talk to anybody. I literally probably just went directly to the bar and just didn't want to utter a word. And you were being <laughs> nice. And I was just like, <sighs> hey, it's, uh, you know, at least it was better than like me busting into, out into one of my Warren Buffett rants. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when you really know she needs to go home and be alone. <laughs> right. Um, so while we're on the subject of Atlanta drag, um, who past or present do you feel like is the most overrated drag queen in Atlanta? Oh man, I thought you were going to ask me the easy question, which one I thought had like the most impact on Atlanta drag. Um, Ruby Red. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. <laughs> no, not no, not really. Um, honestly, none of them. Like, I don't. There are certainly entertainers that I never cared for, and it was probably because I just didn't like them behind the scenes. I just didn't like working with them or interacting with them. But everybody kind of had their niche. I mean, I guess if we want to get kind of broad with the question, um, RuPaul. Okay. Because she made her she made her drag bones in Atlanta before she went to New York. This is and true. before she got big down in Florida, you know. And I think RuPaul has ruined drag. I've been telling people for years. I stopped watching Drag Race a long time ago just because I could not take RuPaul and her shtick anymore. Okay. And her very narrow concept of drag. I I completely agree. Um, so since you, since you brought up RuPaul, um, I asked I asked the boys yesterday um, if they felt like Drag Race had um, hurt or helped the drag community. Uh, so let me, since you've opened the door, um, let's get your thoughts on that. I think that initially it did because it was exposure. It was opening up people into, you know, a much more complicated world behind the scenes of drag than just, you know, watching someone perform on stage, you know, through a television and not actually have to go to a drag show in person. But like everybody got to see all the work that it actually takes, you know, to be a female impersonator and be a camp drag entertainer and you know to be a drag MC like it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of money it's a lot of product and it's a lot of time and that was really cool that people could actually see that and start appreciating it you know as an art form um i think that stopped because you know rupaul had I don't know what it's like now, 
with, you know, his, you know, empire of drag race. But when it first started and for a long time, he had a lot of soul creative control. That was very much how he wanted it to be. And, you know, RuPaul Charles gets what RuPaul Charles wants. And I think if he had pushed himself and pushed his concept of what drag could be marketable to America, I think the show could have continued to be a very good thing for exposure and understanding. And of course that leads to equality and all kinds of other good stuff. Like he could have, he could have done a lot more with it. And he knows what it's like to come from a background of, of struggling. So it, it was kind of a disappointment and it seemed like it kind of turned into just this mean girls for drag. All right. Um, so when when was the last time that you watched Drag Race? God. So I have the last time I watched Drag Race was during quarantine. So I have I have seen like every year I have seen at least one or two episodes because I'm I'm spending time with people who are watching it. But I have not watched a full season since season five. I'm trying to think who won season five. What season are they on now? I uh, shit, I couldn't even tell you. I haven't I haven't watched it all the way through. Um, I want to say since the year um, that Sasha Valor won. Um, so that would have okay, I remember those years. Yeah, so that would have been, I think that was like 11 or 12. And there's been... Because I remember a lot more people were talking about it still back then. Like yeah. A lot less people seem to be... And of course, that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast. People just get sick of you, and then you got to, you know, move on to another project. So in the seasons that you have watched... Um, is there a queen that won that you felt should not have? Um, yeah, and wasn't she? Oh man, you're you're really making me dig back <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> you're the only person that can add asked me to dig back in my brain so far to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> um, who was the first queen who just hands down had no skills but face and some performance but could not sew, could only do one makeup look, was just not very creative other than just, you know, flawless look was that and this was someone who definitely came came to atlanta to perform oh you're talking about uh tyra sanchez season two yes yeah, yeah. oh that was season two because i wanted to say was that season two or season three i was like which one was nicole on <laughs> nicole was on two so yeah that was nicole's on, season on two yeah yeah that seems to be i thought that the was consensus. Because that was also the one, was that the one that Pandora Box was on? 
Um, yes, I think so. Yeah. Because it was whatever, yeah, it was whatever season she was on. And I really thought that she, she should have gone much further. I'm not saying she should have won back then, but she should have gone much further because she was just overall at least moderately good at everything. Yeah. So again, while we're on the subject of drag, uh, we're actually, we're gonna dive into a couple of listener letters. Um, the first one comes to us from Jackie in uh, Delaware. Hello, Jackie, thank you again for listening. Um, Jackie wants to know what you think is the hardest part of doing drag. Well, Jackie, I think from my experience being in so many back rooms behind the stage, <laughs> the hardest part of doing drag is keeping your balls in place. That is so true. That is, that is, and that's actually what I said yesterday is that it's the tucking and the corsets. Oh yeah, the corset too, Jesus, yeah. Like, but you know, like if you're wearing a certain outfit and drag and you have a, a ball go free range on you, like it's a problem, it's gonna hold the show up until you can pop that in place. Yeah. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not, not often. Not often, though, way less than everybody else. But man, when it did happen, fair. it was so obvious. Because <laughs> like my entire face would fall. I'd be like, fuck. Because I just, I am <laughs> that unprofessional. You would right. always, you know, have a, a good cover, though. That's, right. That's the most important thing. The show still went on. Yes. So then our second listener letter um, comes to us from Mila in Brussels, Belgium. Um, she, I was terrified that I was mispronouncing her name yesterday. Um, and she messaged me on TikTok and told me how to pronounce her name. So uh, Mila, again, thank you for listening. Uh, and Mila would like to know um, what is one song you would like to never hear another drag queen perform? Hello by Adele. Damn. Yesterday, the answer, uh, Seth and Mark both agreed that it was Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. Oh, uh, no. See, I, could still, I can still hear that song, and that's okay, because Hello was performed by more drag queens both seasoned and just starting out across all of the bars of america <laughs> i would travel and go to a different bar somewhere in another part of the country and it would be happening it's like and they still do it to this day the one drag bar <laughs> in like central mississippi is is like that like they'll still rock out on like hello by adele and i'm like oh sweet jesus please no it's because she hasn't put out any new music yet. She's put out other songs besides that. And my God, she's not the only artist in the world. There's just no excuse. This is true. There, there are, in my opinion, um, because when that album came out, I had retired already. 
Um, but I mean, when that album came out, there were there were songs on that album that I was like, I would I would come out of retirement to do this number. And oh, not a sure. one of them and was hella. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Adele is such good music to listen to when you're really uh, probably freshly heartbroken and you're just feeling really emo about things. Um, but you need to move on to the, like, set fire to the rain phase. And it, at one point, I don't know if uh, the boys brought this up, but Ray banned uh, all Adele being performed at Birdcage Bingo. He was like, you can't play it. And I agreed with him. I, it was one of the few times that he laid down a DJ role. And I was like, yeah, I'm with him on this one. Yeah, no. That, no Adele. I mean, that, that, that tracks. Like, because, you know, and even I can remember when, you know, I was still doing bingo. Um, and even when we did the Tuesday night show and the Saturday night show, it was, you know, don't, you've got to clear a ballad first before you put it on the set list. Like you've got to clear it through me first. And, you know, at the time I didn't get it, but then going to drag shows as just a spectator, like an Adele number or like any real heavy ballad like that will just suck the entire life out of the show. It will. It's uh, it's a thing that exists with uh, drag performances and the mood of the show, just like a DJ playing a set list. If you pick the wrong song for the audience because it's a song you want to do, but it may not be a song that they want to hear in this environment right now, which is why, you know, you and Mark were always really awesome to work with as drag queens because you always had a bunch of music with you and you always had backups. And most of the Birdcage Bingo girls were like that too. And I don't know if that was, you know, Ruby's influence. It probably was because it makes things run smoother. Because sometimes you look out at an audience and you're like, this is not going to fly if I do this. Yeah, and see, that was always like, that was always because I, I had a really good habit of picking just very obscure off the wall shit and then showing up and going, oh, okay, that's, that's not going to work. So let's uh, let's go to this one that I know people will like. I remember that a lot, you know, because I was always hanging out backstage or popping in. And even if I wasn't, you know, the few golden times that I had the pleasure of playing your drag music for you in a booth or a table at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was tough because you really had some incredible numbers and you know, especially when you got into more of competition drag and you always did these really creative things that, you know, my line of drag scene just didn't have a lot of time for anymore. You know, they used to, and now it's, you know, and I think this is also part of the effect of where drag race kind of made drag stagnant. 
and what's you know considered drag and what's popular yeah it's it's why i always kept god warrior with me like i always had the outfit i always <laughs> had the book just in case because uh, i could always tell by the time my first number was done i was like eh, getting a little light on the money gonna have to gonna have to break out the old girl it and it worked it was yeah. one of those things that would tear down the house yeah that number always landed um but but there's like, like plenty more in her gospel numbers yes <laughs> like you you and that and plenty in her gospel numbers and they're like that was it. Just the whole bar went nuts. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know you've you've listened to a few episodes of this podcast, um, and it's a lot of what we talk about here is, uh, you know, what's in the news, uh, what's uh, what's happening in politics. Um, and I know that you have some very <laughs> very strong feelings um, about the next topic. Um, and that is uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has said that um, she is not seeking reelection uh, because her husband has taken a job in Chicago and they will be relocating there. Um, now, former Mayor Kasim Reed has launched a reelection campaign how are you feeling about that? Well, so here's the thing. When Mayor Bottoms announced that she wasn't going to seek re-election, I thought that was pretty strange because what's gone on during the pandemic, she, for the most part, as a mayor in the nation, has done very well. And she's done some really good things in standing up to, you know, local jurisdiction and local legislation over if you happen to have an idiot as a governor. So, and she got a lot of good national coverage for that. So when she said, you know, oh, we're not, you know, she's not going to seek re-election, I thought it was really odd. And I and I did have a split second thought and I thought, I bet, because Keisha and Kasim have always been not only political allies, they've been personal friends for a long time. He supported her when she wanted to move up in politics. She has supported him. They're close political buddies. They're good for each other's careers. And I had a split second thought that maybe, and I thought, that's crazy. Kasim Reed's gonna, you know, he's going to try and get Senator or he's going to move to a different state or something. And lo and fucking behold, you know, what's crazy is he'll probably win. People will completely forget the bullshit that went down under his watch and his backtracking and his lies. He didn't give a crap about any of Atlanta's community. And I'm afraid that people are just going to forget that and reelect him. And it's just going to be, you know, it's almost like another incumbent situation. 
He's already had his chance. And God forbid, I don't want Mary Norwood. I don't want her to get it either. Mary's political beliefs changed drastically over the years. So she's not the one. But if it's between Mary Norwood and Kasim Reed, we're going to be back to what year was that that they ran against each other the first time? Oh, God. Um, they were, I think they actually, they were the runoff for both his, his first election as Atlanta mayor and his second election. And I think it was the second election that she claimed she filed suit about fraud. And it was the first election that he was bussing homeless people from the task force where I worked for a hot meal to go vote for him. And he had his campaign paid them. And that's a fact. I'm glad to say that on a podcast. <laughs> Damn. I used, for- to, I used to, yeah, there was so much shady shit went down with him. That's why I never liked him. And he doesn't like me because he knows I've never liked him. <laughs> it was always me popping up. If you ask the team reader who Florida Gentle is, he'll probably like roll his eyes <laughs> at the least. <laughs> I need to. Hmm. Um, I wonder if, hang on, I'm going to have to look that up to see if Mary Norwood is running. I don't know if, if she's announced that she's running yet. And I don't know what the cutoff to announce it is. And she's been big into, she's been big back into Buckhead politics. She's been doing that. And, you know, because she, she was doing city commissioner stuff for a while. And then the last few years, she's been focusing on Buckhead, Buckhead crime. I mean, this is just bringing a whole 1990s Atlanta nostalgia back. Um, in early 2000s, but so as of February 3rd of this year, um, she is running for city council in the uh 8th district, um, after the uh councilman who represents that district said that he was not seeking um, re-election. So she's running for- Who's that councilman? um, JP Matsukite, I think it's probably how you pronounce that. Probably butchering that. Um, The 8th District includes parts of Buckhead and Northwest Atlanta. Yep. um, It makes sense. Buckhead's trying to do a lot of stuff for taxes. You know, everybody who's a part of greater Atlanta wants to be their own little incorporated city within the city. It just makes politics so much more complicated. Um, And and she is for this. She's in support of this. she just, she lost me uh, during the George Floyd protest. She, she just, she was not talking about Atlanta crime in a way that I liked. And I, I, I got into it with her on her page a little bit. And I think I just told her flat out, I was like, this is disappointing. 
I, I really expect better from you. I've known Mary Norwood for a long time. Yeah, it We've looks... always been very nice to each other. It looks real racist, and it looks um, like gentrification, which is already, you know, just taking over all of Atlanta now, going into the West End, going into West Midtown, going back to Buckhead with it, you know, and it just spreading out like gentrification vines, like Hudzu. Yeah, it looks like she's she's running on a very tough on crime platform. Yeah, that's her thing now. Hmm. And we all know what that means. Yeah. In that part of the city, it's always had that history there. I mean, they closed down the one really good jazz restaurant. It was right there in Buckhead, right before you got to Linux. That's right. Mm-hmm. And when that closed down, I was like, huh, because that thing had been there for a long time, yeah. like the 60s. And that's long for Atlanta, especially in Buckhead, where everything's within the last, you know, since the 80s or something. Right. Because Atlanta doesn't keep anything. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, oh, everything burned with Sherman. I'm like, no, it didn't. Everything got torn down in the 70s and 80s, willfully. Yeah. All right. So we have reached the point in the show um, where I asked all my guests uh, 15 random questions, some of which I found on the internet, some of which uh, were sent to me from uh, friends on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, are you game to play? I'm ready. Let me just take a swig of beer. <laughs> okay. It makes me nervous thinking about what kind of random questions you found on the internet that you're going to ask me. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Number one, what website, not app, do you frequent the most? Google. Okay. Sweet tea or lemonade? Sweet tea. Um, who was your favorite Spice Girl? Sporty Spice. What is the most terrible thing that you've watched all the way through on Netflix? Oh, damn, just on Netflix. Um... Yeah, you're going to have to edit this part. Um, damn, I did watch something that was terrible on Netflix recently, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, oh, oh. Um, okay, I'm ready. Okay. Gunshot Powder. It's oh. with uh, Amy Pond. Gunpowder Milkshake. Gunpowder milkshake. I actually put that on my Instagram as one of my like summer movies that I watched. And I fell asleep the first time I tried to watch it with my friends. And then I tried to finish it by myself. And I just shook my head through the entire thing because the casting was so good. And just it, it was really obvious who influenced the making of that movie. Pancakes or waffles? 
pancakes. Renaissance fair or sci-fi convention? Neither. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have an unusual celebrity crush? Like somebody, if you bring it up, people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, yeah. <laughs> Killian Murphy, because people think he's so bizarre looking. <laughs> and so I guess they think I'm weird because I'm like, no, I think he's really attractive in like an odd way. He's interesting to look at. Right. Like most people, I think they're like, if I saw him in person, he would like scare them. And I would be like, I think if you saw him in person, he would be more attractive. Yeah, I can. I can see that. Um, because he would like just be a normal person. Right. <laughs> Bra, always on or only when you have to? Uh, I never wear one. Not anymore. Oh. For like, oh. since I moved to New Orleans, <laughs> there's no point. I mean, do men walk around in jack straps all day? No. They should, though. I mean, like, if it's for aesthetics, that's different. But like, <laughs> just everyday living? No way. That's fair. Um, sweater or hoodie? sweater so if you could have an entire movie theater to yourself and you could watch any movie in the entire world what would you choose it's going to sound so cliched but the godfather you know nobody has said that yet it is a great theater movie all of these people who, you know, play on the South McFarlane joke about how the Godfather insists upon itself. Yeah, it's a really good movie and it's an old movie and it's still a classic. And if you actually see it in the theater, it's way better than watching it in your living room judging it. But I feel like it's one, it's one of those films that's aged well too. Just, just the first one and the second one, obviously, you know, the third one sucks. Yeah, like, if that's on, I'll watch it because it's interesting because, like, this family actually killed people over the relationship problems. Like, yeah. don't tell me this isn't an interesting plot. Do you wash your it's legs in the shower? Do I wash my legs in the shower? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. What kind of monster does it? Um... Brad Pitt, Ashton Kutcher, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, who else? There were there were several celebrities that came out recently and said that uh, they don't they don't shower often. That they don't shower. Well, I guess that depends on what often means to them. Is that like a few times a week? Is that like once a week? A few times a month? Well, let's also, take... these people are very, very wealthy and have like the best, cleanest showers in the world. Like yeah. the purest water falls on their rich bodies. <laughs> like, yeah. why are, is it for water conservation? No. No, they're just no. like we're natural, and we're like, no, we're, no, you're not. We can see your face. 
Yeah, like I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, there was a quote um, from him that said um, he, he was always taught that you can get by on uh, good breath and nice manners. So he doesn't shower that often. So what he's telling the world is that what we've long suspected is true. He has a dirty penis. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. That's not, that's unfortunate. That is, but he's a bit weird. And like, so is Brad Pitt. Like all of these dudes, Ashton Kutcher, like they're all a little odd. Yeah. Pool or Also, ocean. they're probably full of it. Also that. Ocean. <laughs> ocean. <laughs> where we can where we can clean all of these celebrities who aren't showering. Yes. Um, if they were making a biopic about your life, who would play you? I think it would have to be Drew Barrymore. That's yeah. only fair. Yeah. It's only fair. It would it would have to be. And yeah. And it makes sense. Like right. Backstories of families. The chin. <laughs> <laughs> Nude beach or not a chance? Oh, my God, no. Oh, my own. Or, like, hanging out with friends, but not, like, with the public or, like, just anyone. Okay. And finally, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Never trust a fart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Especially if you have something important to do right after. All right. So the final question in this interview, um, what's, what's next for you? What's your, what's your next adventure? All right, so last question of this interview. Um, what's next for you? What's your, what's your next big adventure? I think my next big adventure is escaping the South, specifically the Gulf Coast. Um, I've, you know, I've been in New Orleans for a few years and then I'm in Mississippi, helping a friend restore his antique family home and turn that into an event space. And it's a really beautiful place. And it's, it's actually in Canton, Mississippi, which is where they filmed The Time to Kill. So it's like this tiny Mississippi town that has a lot of movie murals <laughs> all over that they kept. And it's like the perfect little southern town square and it's kind of odd because they basically stopped making movies there but this is like a huge part of the town still and you know literally when like we go around town we pass the courthouse and I'm like oh the courthouse from the time to go because I used to love that movie and that movie it kind of made Matthew McConaughey's career as like a serious actor yeah, way back when 
so it's an interesting place. <laughs> Mississippi <laughs> has been an interesting experience. There's some really good food. Uh, it's definitely very different from the rest of the South, though. And Mississippi is incredibly different from Louisiana and Southern Louisiana. And I now understand why I know some people in New Orleans who originally lived in Mississippi. And, you know, they don't live there anymore. <laughs> 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 a lot of different reasons. Um, it's, it's getting through the, the current projects and then thinking about where to go in, to leave the South because I'm not quite, nothing in America right now speaks to me. <laughs> so you're thinking about going international? Oh, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> Even if I did, <laughs> you know, I don't, there is no place that I can think of yet where I think they have a higher percentage of competent elected officials. They say, you know, we're, health advice is taken more seriously where you know you get paid a decent living for an honest amount of work like you know the world is just kind of a mess right now so I'm not quite sure what's next you know I know that I have a book that I still need to finish um I have a lot of personal projects that I want to get done and you know quarantine just didn't seem a good time can make a lot of things happen. Um, so it's just like everything still kind of feels weird, like the last year and a half, two years, just feel like a blur. I, I definitely agree. And it's weird that so many people feel that way. It's yeah. such a shared experience now. So it's like, if you tell that to people, they're like, yeah, I told you this. Like, totally get it. And you're like, cool. Don't have to do a lot of explaining on that one. <laughs> I feel like it's it's the one shared experience that everybody has now. Like yeah. we we all went through this together, but not. Yeah, every, <laughs> everybody living. Yeah, everybody's still alive, and we're still going through it. So it's like this extended, um, forced history book event <laughs> like you know you flip it through the history books as a kid that must have sucked and now we're like yeah done. yeah that sucked real bad i imagine it sucked more because you know we live in the age of information so everything's at our fingertips but like you know back then you didn't have shit yeah, but back then you probably didn't have some asshole telling him that Alex Jones had the vaccine was give him, you know, gonna give him a, a a chip that the government could, you know, base their own cell phone tower off of. <laughs> this is true. You know, like these, like people with fantastical beliefs back then would have just been kicked out of the clinic and just called crazy. Like, just get out of here, then. No one will come near you, you plague rat. <laughs> get out of here crazy go to the mountains <laughs> go live on the mountain <laughs> right all right well this i this has been fantastic i've 
thoroughly enjoyed having you on. Um, anytime you want to come back, uh, give me a shout, and I always have a spot in the Zoom yeah, for you. Thank you. I, I love you so much. I'm so glad that you're doing this. You know, we talked before we hopped on, and um, you have such a great personality for engaging with all kinds of people and you're a really honestly curious person and like i said you have you know you have a nice uh podcast voice because you probably have the best podcast of the red family thank you and i i love you too i love you so much um thank you again for coming on and being my last guest of this series yeah it was fashionably late yay <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to be in the family at all times someone is right so it was me so i i feel very honored um and i love you so much and i'm so excited for your next you know season and the seasons after it's been a really good season i think so and thank you for making me your last bitch <laughs> so sweet you're so sweet <laughs>